Hello and welcome to another episode of Station H for Five Magazine, hosted as always by me, Wilson Such. This is the last of our three specials recorded at the Brighton Music Conference, which happened back in April. On this episode, I sat down with an old friend, DJ and producer and Five Magazine writer, Harold Heath. Harold Heath was a stalwart of the UK scene for many years and a few years ago, seemingly out of nowhere, Harold stopped making music after being one of the most prolific producers I knew. And since then he's been writing about dance music for several great publications as well as for Five magazine. And he also runs his own satirical blog called Prinks Music, which I highly recommend. Of course, I wanted to know why he quit, why he stopped making music so suddenly. And his answers were very thought-provoking, probably for, for most music makers, and really made me think about my motivations for making music. Unfortunately, soon after we sat down and started chatting, we were joined in the press area by a very loud video interviewer who edged closer and closer until about 10 minutes into our interview when she interrupted us and asked us to record a piece to camera. But as per my self-imposed rules for the Station H podcast, there are no edits, so you'll hear that in all its glory before we get back to chatting. So without further ado, enjoy this very candid chat with Harold Heath, raw and uncut, from the Bright Music Conference 2018. Here with Mr. Harold Heath, uh, the latest staff writer for Five Magazine. I Hello. Hope. But not just not just a writer. Um, we met, I believe, when we were both artists on Urban Talk. Indeed, the uh, famous Urban Talk record label. What year you, you had an album on? on uh, I did maybe 2003, 2004, and a few, a couple of singles, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, went to Lost My Dog. Was that kind of the main shift? I know you've released on tons of labels over the years, but yeah, yeah, I did lots of stuff for Lost My Dog, lots of stuff for other labels. Um, most of their names escape me now. Um, lots of stuff for Plastic City. Boom. Plastic City still in in operation. Apparently so. I was kind of starting to think that perhaps you and I were the, the curse of the record label because Urban Talk sh- shut down quite. Soon after they I did, but I think that was after I released yeah, well, second I was, EP. I was with, say it was nothing to do with me. It was pretty much yeah, you, you were there before. I think yeah. it was your but fault. then lost my dog. I never released them. So oh, and then they shut as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I can see a pattern emerging. Yeah, put the blame at, uh, at me, my door for that. I think definitely. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, when did you? Were you always writing about music, or did you transition? I can tell you the story if you want. I hope yeah. it's. Uh, I'm gonna try and make it. Uh, try and truncate it because I think it's quite a dull story. I started teaching music technology to kids, and you have to spend two years training to be a teacher, and you have to write loads of essays and that. And I found that I really enjoyed writing the essays, and I simultaneously found that teaching kids how to make music completely sucked the fun out of making music. So I stopped making music and started writing about music, and I substituted one creative endeavour for the other, and that kind of coincided with. Uh, a complete inability to make more than say 10 euros on a release anyway whereas I can make a little bit more writing about music so um, what's the question again? I've no idea <laughs> <laughs> no we were talking about the transition from yeah so writing. essentially the digital revolution and learning to teach pushed me in that direction and I find I, I much enjoy writing more than I do making music these days really I think I was also saying perhaps to you or perhaps someone else earlier I forget I kind of found there were so many producers whose work was so good I just didn't really 
measure up, do you know what I mean? I would compare my jeans to Chimster or whatever, and I'd be like, why am I even doing this? That's an interesting point. We were discussing this last night, because I think it's something that we all suffer from, and I think the social media world in, perhaps invites even more comparison than existed before. I think there was always, you know, we all inhabited different worlds in, in dance music, and perhaps you kind of, social media encourages you to, to maybe look at people who aren't your audience rather than focusing on the people who are. Yeah, maybe that's true. For me, it's never even about the audience though, really. It's about my own kind of standards. It's just about listening to those records by those brilliant producers. Pat uh, Jazz as well, if you know what I mean, producers like that. The records sound so bonkersly good. It doesn't really matter what I do in the studio, I just can't get there. And I'm like, well, if I can't get there, why am I doing this? That's there already, that's brilliant. People can buy that. Why would they buy something not as good as that? You know what I, mean? that that's, I kind of just felt like there was no point in not being as good as the best. So I stopped. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I think it's interesting because there's a com commonality, certainly with um, artists like, um, like Atjaz and, and Richard Earnshaw, who we were talking to earlier, yeah. where I think a lot of it, I mean, a huge amount is obviously skill and talent, but I think both of them are really good examples of artists who've created a space to make music in. It's not even the gear they use, they've just created a perfect room. Oh, right, okay, you mean the physical space in, they work in, okay. And, you know, they can engineer in that room, they master in that room, yeah. they both master for other artists, so they've just got so used to being in that space and, and just how music should sound in that space. I think, certainly sonically, I feel like certainly in terms of my productions I've definitely reached a ceiling to the sort of level I can achieve without having the resources and the ability to kind of build that space and yeah. treat it and make but it you, sound great. Are you happy with that level that you've reached? Like, when you get there are you like yeah this is good? I think well, that's an interesting question. I think for me it's, it's as you said as you said it's it's not for the audience it's for me and I think personally like I, I come from like a playing guitar and writing songs background so music is like cheaper than therapy what I get from it what I learn from it from making it means more than the, the end result if that makes oh, okay. sense so and when I finished process, it yeah like when I finished it I really don't analyse it I just kind of try and let it go and I've got a lot better at that do, um, you, do you play your own tunes when you DJ? if it feels right yeah, I could never do that. I would pick them out, I would cue them up in the headphones when I was mixing with something else. Mm. And obviously the other thing that I was already playing, I really loved, I thought it was a great record. Mm. I'd just be like, oh, it's just not as good as that. I'd take it off again and put something else on, do you know what I mean? I've had that experience. And, you know, if, you, if that's what you're doing with your productions, then it's time to stop, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. But was it the mix or was it the composition that you were from? I think there, there are lots of little elements that make, that contribute to a really good record. Mm. There's an idea, there's the production, there's the mix, there's the space of the composition, there's a, you know, the arrangement, all those little tiny elements. And I think all of them weren't as good as they could be, do you know what I mean? I think all of them were competent. Is there a part I, I, of it that you miss though? Is there a part of the music maker? So for me, yeah, for example, and, and the last podcast I did actually, we spoke to Mike City and he was saying if there's one part I could I could do without, it would be mixing, the mix down. Like, I love composing the music, I love making the track. In an ideal world, I would have a mix engineer who would just come in and, you know. Yes, I think that would be quite fun, really. Yeah, I can see how that would work more. But also, I feel like um, with house music, you know, you've got to have a lot of ideas to keep this. It's a really restrictive little genre, man. You've got the specific tempo and beats and rhythm and sounds. There's only certain things you can put in there. If you stretch it too far, it just 
leaves the genre and becomes garage or it becomes dubstep or something else. Do you know what I mean? So you've only got this this template that you can really use, and I just completely ran out of ideas. Mm. I just—it's only so many times you can make a tune with a road stamp. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It feels like um, the Blair Witch Project. It's the same road stamp. Do you know? Yeah. What I mean? yeah. Do, you, do you care about genres? Just that, because uh, I don't. The, the producers you mentioned, that jazz and Jimster, just put me on the think, back foot. Do I, don't I don't care about they, I don't think they give a. a um, I, I don't, don't know, really. I don't think they care. Well, keep I, it, let's keep it PG. I, th- I think you've completely undermined my whole rationale over the last few years. Are you going to start producing again? As soon as I get home. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I wanted to produce really good house records. I always wanted to make you know, timeless house records. And because I wasn't, I stopped. Right, because that's what you want. You want timeless records. You want brilliant bits of art. Yeah, you I want mean, competent art. That's very true. And I think uh, well, the um, what's his name, the Simon Dunmore from yeah. Defected, just literally, I think yesterday wrote a tweet about this about music should be. Um, what do you say? It shouldn't be functional. It should be uh, magical. Yeah, 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 exactly. I think if everyone else who was only making competent functional music was like me, we'd have a much better music scene and you wouldn't go on Beatport and get really angry because there'd just be you know a very small amount of very good music really um, that's the downside of the whole democratisation the whole digital you know yeah. too many people got in there and had a go didn't they do you know what I mean and too many people haven't got that quality control yeah more people need to be deeply insecure and you know full of Catholic guilt like me so they don't put out the music that they make I'm with you there yeah. and that's, it is, it's always a question isn't it it's like I kind of have a I suppose the benchmark with my productions is like, is it, I don't want to make anything that's, that's generic. So for better or worse, particularly since I moved actually and, and stopped DJing as much, um, like my records seem to be Marmite. Like people either absolutely, a very small number of people absolutely love it and they get it. And everyone else is like, what's that? It doesn't sound like the deep house I normally hear. That's kind of where I like, that's my sweet spot, I guess. And interestingly, like I've noticed artists like Kiko Navarro, his new Afro-Terranio label, it's, a lot of it's in 12A, it's not even 4-4. I mean, you'd still, I, I guess you'd call it house music. Yeah. But it's um, twelve eight six four. Yeah. Could you say happy birthday, BMC, to the camera? Is yes, okay? we can. Fantastic. Yeah, we're going to keep Thank rolling you. while we cool. do it. Let's do that. Yeah, we're in an interview right now. We're streaming this live. No. I apologise. That's okay. Terrible thing. What's happening? I don't understand. We're saying happy birthday to BMC. Let's do it now. Okay. Sorry, right. Do we need to do it together in unison? Yeah, we go. Are we, are we counting down? Should we dab or something? Go <laughs> on <laughs> No, we're not going to do that. Uh, happy, happy birthday, birthday BMC. BMC. See, we've got rhythm. Yeah. We, know uh, we love you very much. Indeed. Yeah. Happy it's birthday. getting better with every year. Thank you. Thank you. Pretty exciting moment in the podcast there, right? Yeah. So, um, officially endorsing. Not officially endorsed as yet. What you want? Not by, no, no, not by anyone here. Oh, I'm sorry to hear I that. think we should do our own panel next I'd year. I'd endorse you, man. Disco Duffers. I think. <laughs> I'd be up for a bit of panel, actually. Yeah. I've got opinions. Yeah. I've got things I want to say. And they're not exactly, and they're not the same old uh, party line of, uh, yeah, we should, you know, tweet more. <laughs> <laughs> no, and they change from day to day. So that would be... So different. speaking about people who should tweet more, <laughs> I would sneak, say... Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. But I mean, I think what... I've noticed, obviously, in 
you're writing is that what comes across there but also like just little things that you're doing on social media whereas you know I think so many people in the music industry are basically when they speak they are sounding like they're in a Miss World pageant these days like everyone's very afraid to say anything that might offend someone or might you know uh, cause them to lose quite quite fans whether whether they've really got any in the first place or not so I feel like people like what you're doing I don't, if people don't follow you on Twitter and Facebook you should tell them your uh, your handles so that they Twitter, can I think I am at Harold Heath DJ and I also run the prinksmusic.com website which is the best website uh, on the internet in fact and that's been proved P-R-I-N-K-S P-R-I-N-K-S music.com brilliant yeah Thank so you. I think keeping that kind of check on the collective egos and kind of slapping people down it used to you know DJs complaining used to be a great Twitter handle to follow yeah, yeah. Um, do you think there's more idiocy around the scene or is it just because yeah. there's more people into it I think that we've been given this amazing gift of interconnectedness and we can chat and interact to anyone across the world and all that, you know, it's a beautiful, amazing thing and I don't think, therefore, that you should just say, hey, check out my new mix. I think that's a, an aberration, it's a waste of this wonderful, fantastic thing. That's what I think. I think that it's like everything, it's like the music, you should make an effort and be really good at it, do you know what I mean? And don't do it unless it's really good. Mm. And you know if it's good or not, or you know if it's average, do you know what I mean? Everyone yeah. knows. If you post a status is a bit dull, everyone knows that, do you know what I mean? I think idiocy is a strong word. I wouldn't say there's a lot of idiots. I think there's a lot of people who <laughs> sometimes act in a way that you could describe as idiotic. I wouldn't like to call them idiots. No, we all have our failings, you know what I mean? No, I wouldn't single anyone out, but I think when you I have would. a collective movement, you know, perhaps the way that things start being done or the kind of standard route to promote yourself yeah. can become idiotic. Yeah, much I mean, like the, the rhetoric that we're getting in the political world, certainly in the spheres, certainly in the UK and America at the moment, you know, it has become very polarising, very binary and very dumbed down. It's yeah. either it's this or it's that. And there's, it's, never, it's never either of those things, is it? Exactly. I think you're completely right about that. I think um, I was having this conversation with Lee from that awful Urban Talk label um, just earlier today about that kind of uh, the erosion of nuance and the erosion of complexity and how nuance and complexity are absolutely the enemy of authoritarianism. And that's the one thing that they can't deal with, you know, the nuance and the detail of life. And as soon as you start, like you say, dumbing down things to simple kind of uh, mantras, we're all just, you know, talking crap. So life isn't so simple, you can't sum things up. And I think it's the same in music as well. I think it's the same all over culture, do you know what I mean, at the moment. It's, a, it's an urge for people to kind of understand, but without wishing to spend a long time learning a thing to understand it. So that people would prefer a, a political approach like Brexit or Trump, which is really simple, without wishing to look at the terrible complexities of that, which would make those political choices actually quite bad choices. But to find that out, you've got to do a lot of thinking. And it's the same with learning to make music and stuff. You need to find stuff out and become an expert and become experienced and not take shortcuts. As someone who, who also used to DJ a lot and doesn't DJ so much anymore, something that I felt very strongly towards the end of my, you know, what, 
I barely call it a career. Call it a career, aren't you? you know. I call it a career, man. You had a career. Yeah. Yeah, you DJ. Yeah. Places. Got yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> and then it stopped. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so the the uh, the thing that I noticed was, and I, I think it was, you know, we've talked about the um, you know the change, the shift in in alcohol and drug consumption which I think was, was part of it but I think one of the things I started to notice is if you played music with emotion mm. a few years ago people started to find that very threatening it was like the biggest taboo they wanted like very minimal very kind of middle of the road stuff and if you started to play music and, and I think it's become almost into the mainstream of dance music now where like emotional music that actually makes people think makes people feel something is possibly very confronting in today's climate because social media and things like that don't actually give you the time the moment you start to feel something you can pick up your phone and you can scroll and you can you know you can push those feelings back down but if you're in a club and there's loud music playing and something comes on that's like you know you're in a darkened room you're in that space you've had a few drinks you've taken something you know, and, and for me, that was what the beauty of dance music was. In a safe space, you could explore feelings, whether that was a feeling of loss, whether that was a feeling of joy, whether that, you know, whatever it was, is it you could explore those feelings. Is it an extension of the, please, can you play a bit harder, mate? Yeah, so, yeah. that's exactly what I'm talking about. But it was, I could see people feeling upset by beautiful, emotional music. <laughs> That's a, a, a rather tragic uh, term, isn't it? Really? In a right, no, no, in not right upset in the correct way. Yeah, yeah, they weren't emotionally touched by the music. No. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a, a tragic little tale, actually, mm. isn't it, really? It's not something I've ever noticed, but um, yeah, that's both dark and quite tragic, really. So we're full, yeah. of, we're full of joy. Full of the joys. So to bring it, bring it back to production. Yes. You said you, you weren't think? prepared, man, and you seem awfully prepared. I'm for not prepared who wasn't at all. Prepared. No, I'm just sure? interested. I'm, 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 I was listening to you earlier, and I'm, and I'm also trying to nudge you back into producing music. Um, with what you said about the reasons that you stopped making music, yeah. and the reasons, you know, especially about the the idea of making a kind of classic house record, yeah. like, do you feel like without if you t- if you've managed to strip away those those desires or those things, those aims or those things that you wanted to get from it, is there still a part of you that just wants to make music? And if you're able to strip those things away, is it not possible that you might make something that would completely surprise yourself? You know, could you not perhaps make it classic? There is a part of me that really misses it. I did love it. I did get an awful lot of pleasure from it. Mm. It really was very central to me and how I felt and if I didn't do it for a while I would become edgy I used to love it so much um, sometimes I think I peaked too early my early stuff was my most successful stuff and I, I always found that I could never pinpoint what it was about those early records that people liked and I would say to Lee at Urban Talk, I'd send him something and he'd go no I don't like that and I'd be like but that's exactly the same as what I sent you before that you put out but not to him and I could never work out what it was about that's my records that was good if I knew what that was, maybe I'd be able to, do you know what I mean? But I just never knew what, I would produce, say, 20 records, and out of that, a few of them would be really good, the rest would be kind of competent. But I wouldn't know until it came back, do you know what I mean? Until I got the feedback, I would never know which ones were good and which ones weren't. Complete lack of objectivity about my own work. I cannot make any judgments about it, do you know That's what I mean? That's really interesting, because I think perhaps there's three, perhaps there's three camps, you know, because I feel like, I've never stuck on a sound and I've never had that one record that people have kind of gone, that's, 
what you need to do. So I've never yeah, been so in I your had, position. Yeah. And then there's other people who do it as, as you did, and, and perhaps Funk De Voigt's a good example as well. Someone who did it once, spectacularly. Yeah. With blood, right? Mm? With blood. Mm. Yeah. And then either couldn't or didn't want to do the kind of thing, that, the, the thing that all artists have to do, which is basically produce something that's the same, but a tiny bit different. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously the third camp is those people who, who hit on it and they're like, I know exactly what I did there. Yeah. I've got the drums on my Akai. <laughs> you know, I'll use the same drums. I envy them, man. I wish uh, I knew what it was. Invert the chord progression. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what is the magic? I don't know what it was. Do you know what I mean? I still... Maybe it's even simpler than, you know, maybe you were thinking too deeply about it. I wonder if it was just that like I was hungry. Maybe you just kept the same file and just, you know, deleted some <laughs> of the chords and, you know, moved them around on the Matrix editor. <laughs> I, I did do that actually a few times. You know, I mean, we've all we've all done that, haven't we? I wonder if I was just more hungry then. Hungry artists are really good, aren't they? If you're hungry, you work really hard. You, you know, produce good stuff. I think uh, good art comes from you know desperation. Yeah. I don't feel desperate anymore. I guess. But it can also come from comfort, I think, because we did. Um, I've been working quite closely with a producer called Ricky Reed, who was part of the Soul Renegades. Um, but he's also he's just done a, a solo album called the James Lestrange Orchestra, which is kind of like a cinematic soundtrack. It's incredible. It's, 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 a, it's an orchestra, I and mean, it was basically made up of him having various different musicians visit at different times, and he pieced it together from individual recordings and made this huge orchestral record. And that comes from him leaving the city and moving to a wooden cabin in the middle of the Scottish Highlands and having essentially trees for company, giving up partying, giving up, you know, drinking and... and, and pretty much just kind of getting stuck in to yeah. being creative so that kind of level of soul satisfaction I think on a smaller level I feel that since I moved out of the city and since I stopped DJing because I think if you're DJing regularly you have a very you have great awareness of what works and what doesn't yeah. work on the dance floor Definitely, and yeah. so you're trying to fit your productions into that little box yeah, yeah, totally. whereas now I'm really not you know the last EP I did has got one deep house track on it and it's got one classical piece of it like that's oh, okay. kind of because why not? Because why not? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to do what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Is there a question there, though? No. Cool, cool, cool. No, um, I'm like one of those people at the panels who kind of, uh, you, you can see... Who one of those things? When they, yeah, int- when they introduce themselves by name. Did you hear that? We, we just were both at the Urban Welsh... Uh, which was an incredible seminar, which we hopefully, cracking. if the recording's good, we'll, there'll be some snippets of that in He's, this podcast. He tells a good story, doesn't he? He's a wonderful man, but there was the question at the Q&A session, and when someone opens the Q&A by introducing themselves by name, oh, right, 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 right. and then speaking for 10 minutes, yeah. and there is no question at the yeah. end of it, it seems like a regular occurrence. Yeah, someone else said that what to me we as do well. About that? What can we do about people who just want to say something in a seminar? They just want to get involved, don't they, Blessing? Yeah. There should be a, a, a little, like a five minutes at the end where they can just go and get involved. You know what they mean? should let so them go and, once the seminar's over, they should let them go and sit on the chairs and use the microphones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just and the audience, can, we can all go out and have a breather and, you know, <laughs> smoke a cigarette if you want to, or whatever, and then, you know, they can get it over with and then we can get on with it. It is odd that, isn't it? I would rarely ask a question in that situation, but I certainly wouldn't just make a statement of yeah. things that I knew. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Here's some words. Here's yeah. what I know about this. So. Right, thanks then, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Right, I think um, 
I think this has been a wonderful conversation. Really? We've been outside the toilet. Will very uh, thoughtfully found us a lovely spot just outside the toilet. Um, Believe it or not, we're in the same quiet area where the, the Richard Earnshaw interview took place earlier. Was um, quiet this then? is officially the quiet press area. Really? Yeah. These people clearly haven't heard that memo. Did you hear a memo? <laughs> I haven't received the memo for that quiet Terrible, terrible behaviour. Well, Will. It's been lovely talking to you. It's been lovely talking to you. What's, have you got anything new coming in, in the magazine? Um, in, uh, in IDJ magazine, I will be doing my regular column every month in which I discuss uh, little tips and ideas for new DJs. It's called Starting Out. It's in the IDJ magazine website and it's very, very good. I'll also be writing up this event as well in some way, shape or form. I've got a, a, usually when I do these events, I usually uh, write about the parties and the seminars and that, but this time I might just write about the vibe because I felt there's a really different vibe this time around. I feel like there is, this might be the year that dance music grows up, do you know what I mean? I felt like the, like the Avicii thing has really hung over a lot of the sessions mm, really and a has. lot of the conversations. I think Me Too as well is, is really, there's a big presence of that in a lot of the conversations and stuff. And I feel like maybe this is a, you know, the year dance music grows up. I agree, it felt like there was more understanding of mental health issues, there was much more, um, I think women were much better represented on a lot of the panels, yeah. a lot of the discussions, you know, we've still got a long way to go. That's exactly what I was going to say, I feel like all this stuff is just bringing into focus how far we've got to go in so many areas. Yeah, the networking events were a very different story in terms of the, num you know, yeah, the numbers, yeah. but yeah, yeah. It, uh, definitely an interesting, uh, an interesting couple of days. Yeah, and I think we're in a, quite an interesting time of change in the industry, hopefully for the better. I think there'll be some casualties. I think there's a tsunami of Me Too coming. I think it's going to be 9-11 times a million in our industry. I think when that breaks, mm. I think heroes are going to fall, do you know what I mean? Yeah, most of them. I don't know about most of them. Do you think most of them? I think most of them. Fuck, really? Are we allowed to swear on a podcast? <laughs> yes, cool. absolutely. Fuck, really? Yeah. yeah, I think that, you know, there. Are, I think there's going to be some... Uh, some, some fallen heroes, definitely. Interesting times ahead, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, coming full circle, I think one thing, we were talking about this last night, the Avicii situation. Yeah. I remember many years ago when I saw Deep House becoming this very kind of trendy thing. It was just before EDM broke big, yeah. but Deep House started to blow. And when that happened, you know, coming from an old school hip hop background, I said, this is going to be the same. People will, people will start dying. That's what's going to happen. Oh, right. And not going to, you know, it's a different situation. Yeah. You know, it's much more, you know, what happened to, to old Dirty Bastard, not what happened to Biggie and Park. Mm. But ODB is a, is, is a classic cautionary tale and very much, you know, if you scratch the surface of that, very much like the Avicii, you know, right, situation. Right, right. Um, we need to learn these lessons. And I think, unfortunately, perhaps there's a level, I wouldn't say racial bias, but there's a level where, like, because this is a different type of person, it's a different class of person who, who are making electronic music as opposed to the guys who are coming from the street and, mm -hmm. and finding global superstardom in hip-hop. People didn't expect to experience the same pitfalls, but those pitfalls are the same. Whether you came from Harlem and suddenly, you know, within three weeks you've dropped a big, big record and you're touring around the world and you've got girls and drugs and, you know, things being thrown at you, um, you know, coupled with the kind of male bravado that was going on in hip-hop hip -hop at the time. Um, it seems like still a lot of people were very unprepared for EDM, even though we've seen this countless yeah. times when scenes blow big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
kind of quite cavalier, really, the way we just career through, do you know what I mean? Mm. Without, without taking into account everything we've seen before yeah. in, in other very similar situations. And yeah, here the discussions here felt like people were surprised. And yeah. it was, that was what surprised me, actually, yeah. was that a lot of people were kind of like, oh, you know, there's, there's an issue with mental health in dance music. It's like... Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> that, the film um, Slave to the Rhythm takes on, a, obviously, a lot more poignancy now in the light of the events. And Pete Tong's... Prescient. I mean, do you remember what Pete Tong said in the film? And he met up with Avicii, which I think was just after, just before he was quitting touring. Mm. And he was saying he got a sense that everyone in that camp was just milking this shit as much as they fucking could to mm. get as much money as they could as quickly as they could. Yeah. And that, you know, uh, it gained obviously a, a huge poignancy in light of recent events. Yeah. So, mm. um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it actually bring the conversation full circle. I guess what we're saying is like, it's not a one-size-fits-all situation. This journey through dance music, if you love dance music, you know, if you love DJing, if you love, you know, you might love DJing, but when you actually get out there and you start performing on a regular basis, you might not love that. Yeah, you know, you and that's fine. And, and, and if you're producing in order to get gigs, but your heart really isn't in producing, it's fine not to do that. Yeah, there's there's a myriad that. of different ways you can, you know, as we've discussed, you can write about music, you can be involved in it. You can, you know, it's, it seems like shock horror in today's situation, but you can just be a fan and support the music by turning out to, to shows. Believe it or not, that's just as important a role, mm-hmm. if not more important than anyone else's. Um, and ultimately, you, you being okay and being able to function as, as a human being and being happy is more important than any of this shit. It's much more important than your latest club banger, that's for sure. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a nice way to leave it. True that. This has been lovely. Yeah. Great chat. Oh, and also, Harold's uh, debut feature for Five magazine, I think, is now in the public domain. It is. Interview uh, with Jimster. Lovely interview with lovely Jamie. Yeah, it's great. Do you remember the title of the article? Did they give you a vanity URL? Did they give you a, is it a Five five magazine, Five Chicago slash? I can remember it. Can I remember it? Come on, can do it. It's called The Music Is Bigger Than All Of Us, I think. It is. Yeah, it's well go. remembered. I've got another one for Hi-Fi Sean coming up soon, which I'm also very pleased about. I'm Brilliant. a big fan of Hi-Fi Sean. His records are very, very good, and he's a cool guy. And that's coming on Five Magazine too? That's coming on Five Magazine, yeah. I think in, uh, next week or two, probably. I'm slightly tired, so I can't quite remember. That's okay. Point your browser that way. Do that. <laughs> <laughs>